0: over. <laughs> because it wasn't recording. Welcome to Everything True Detective, our podcast on HBO True Detective. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith Krepko. We're going to talk about Season 2, Episode 6, Church in Ruins. We've already speculated that could mean... who cares? Right. Okay, let's talk about the confrontation. Oh, we're going to break format a little bit. We're just going to talk about the major moments in the episode. So Frank and Ray have a confrontation immediately following the ending of the last episode. What did you think of the confrontation? What did, what did you learn from it?
1: Okay. So I do go into every episode wanting it to be good. Sure. So my brain
0: reset and I was ready for this to be, to be a good confrontation, you want you were expecting a Robert De Niro, Al Pacino heat level heat confrontation. Heat level. Let's well, meeting I was either, of the legends. I
1: was either expecting that or like a Naked Gun esque where they both have like um, laser pointers and they're just <laughs> pointed at each other's nuts <laughs> right. underneath, so you get to see like yeah. Uh, I would have liked that visual gag, or I would have liked for at least a little more. Um acknowledgement to the fact that this is not a new scenario Mm -hmm. that,
0: um, he's not breaking pits. is not breaking ground with this. He's
1: not breaking ground with this. Yeah. And so it seems like in nowadays you can either write a scene straight. That's been done a million times, or you can throw in a little bit of a wink to the fact of like, Hey, I know this kind of standoff. It's been done a million times. Um, so I'm going to, I'm either going to reference it or show you guys that I know, I know mm-hmm. what, what what I'm doing. And it just to me didn't have any personality beyond these two guys mm-hmm. having their little standoff. Mm-hmm. My my big issue, I don't know if you want me to get to my big issue with the standoff. Yeah, go for okay. It. My big issue with the standoff is you have Ray who ends last episode just seething at the front of Frank's front door. Mm-hmm. Ready to kill Frank. Mm -hmm. That's why he's come, basically. Then you cut to them sitting at the table. So somehow Frank has managed to get him there uh, to have a discussion. Mm -hmm. They not only have their discussion, but Ray leaves having made a new deal with (laughs) Frank to do another favor for Frank in order for him to get the information he first came to get and i was like in my mind that is like you buying a lemon uh-huh. of a car and then taking it back to the dealership and being like this car's a piece of crap i want my money back and walking out with a new used car mm-hmm. from that same lot yeah. yeah
0: that's 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 what it's like it's like, like a, it's like the bugs bunny reversal right where he's like I'm safe. You're out. I'm safe. You're out. Safe out. Safe out. And then you Bugs Bunny turns around and goes out. Safe out. <laughs> right. Right. It's like a it's a Looney Tunes <laughs> reversal. A, and I
1: wish Pizzolato would you know made a little more overt reference to that. I would have enjoyed it. <laughs> um. But yeah. So I mean, it's like uh. And and you know, people can say that it's like you know you're biased. And it's like okay, that's an endless argument of me being like. No, until I reverse it on them <laughs> right. and say yes, I am. They say no, you're not, and they say done. I win.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think the idea, the explanation of like, I just gave you the information I got. <laughs> Seems like a pretty simple explanation to me. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, yeah, no. Th- I, I, but at the same time, you're kind of uh, admitting your incompetence. Maybe you're, you're sort of saying like, yeah, maybe I'm a dummy too. Like, well, not not only that,
1: but Frank Frank is playing at both sides. Right? He's like, look, I passed on information, right. whatever. And then uh, Ray, I think, does have a moment of like, oh crap, that's a really good explanation. <laughs> now what do I do? But yeah. uh, but but then Frank is like oh, but by the way, I could I could probably get the information. Yeah, And then later on, he's like, okay, I can definitely get the right information, <laughs> but now you need to do something for me. I was right. like, how does that development happen in Ray's mind where he's like, yeah. okay, so he doesn't know. Oh, wait, he might know. Oh, wait, he can know, <laughs> but I need to do something for right. him. Great,
0: yeah. Um, in this scene, Vince Vaughn has another, what is becoming classic uh vince vaughn frank semian lines where after uh i guess colin farrell admits to like not feeling great about killing somebody that probably didn't deserve to be killed frank says if that's the kind of i'm sorry if that's the kind of thing that keeps you out of heaven i don't want to go it's kind of like, w- wait a minute, what? Because you love like, murdering? You want to just murder people when people. you're in heaven for no justifiable reason? Hey, God, if I can't murder <laughs>
1: everybody that crosses my path in heaven, I don't want to go in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what kind of a, a trade-off is that? Yeah. Hey, come to eternal damnation, but I don't care if you kill people. Yeah. Great.
0: So from there, Ray goes to the prison to visit the, what we've been told. is Oh, can,
1: can, can I touch on something really quick? Sure. The fact that that tense standoff scene ends with basically the, the last gasp of Jordan's character yeah in this show. Yep. She has transformed in five episodes now mm-hmm. from somebody who is hyper competent, aware of their role executing it flawlessly potentially a big player in this thing to this like quivering leaf yeah
0: you know of of a nothing character there was a moment where i was wondering why she is so involved in his business to now her literally her only scene in this episode is sort of like slowly traipsing into the kitchen and burying her head in frank's chest right right and that's
1: it. It 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 really is like that's that's it. Like that's her there's her exit. Even if she's on again, she's as good as dead to me right. in terms of this narrative because she's she's a total nothing of right. a
0: character now. And I would say she did everything she possibly could do and then some with that Three step walk into the kitchen. It oh was man, one she of was... the most dramatic things I've ever seen yeah. in my
1: life. <laughs> she does show up later on to give money to somebody. Okay, but, uh, that's right. That's right.
0: Right. Uh, Stan's wife. Right. Which we'll talk about. Okay, so from there, Ray goes to the prison to confront the what we've been told is DNA convicted rapist of his wife, of Ray's ex wife. Um. And through their exchange, um, does Ray make the connection that, like, this guy looks nothing like Chad, his son? Yeah. So you're kind of left to believe, like, wait a minute. Is this... Basically, the question you come away with is, like, is this Chad's father?
1: Right. He mutters to himself, he's like, you look nothing like him. Right. And so who is Chad's father? God. God chad's the second coming okay we have a new theory for the ending this is all
0: culminating in armageddon right um but one thing i thought i think this is a uh our first contender for too gratuitous not gratuitous enough or just right was ray's threat to the um convict of cheese grating his, his skin off with the yeah cheese grater it's like To me, that seemed pretty weak to what he did to the guy who he thought whose son son, whose son he thought shit in his son's shoes. (laughs) His LeBron. His LeBron's like to that guy, he beat the crap out of him and like threatened to decapitate him. And to this guy who raped his wife, he's just like, it's like he was running out of steam almost. Right.
1: right? You, You know those graders? (laughs) <laughs> yeah I'll probably just like rub it on your body it's gonna
0: be bad all right um whatever i do <laughs> i'll think of something i would say not gratuitous enough right not gratuitous pretty, enough. pretty obvious you missed a chance there pizzolato he, he set the bar pretty high in episode one right and this is just like you you know what
1: pizzolato could have done he could have just had Ray recount what he did to that dad before <laughs> right.
0: and freak the crap that out of this guy been way better. That was, was you realize Ray only has one threat in his arsenal and he just keeps going back to it. Yeah, he could just said like one time
1: I thought a kid stole my kid's shoes. I beat his dad up with brass knuckles. And you know what I mean like that yeah. would that there that's there's your scene there's your threat.
0: Um so you have here that you are not sure whether or not this guy is the actual guy who raped, who is the actual rapist? Yeah did did that come across your mind at all? Not, not really. Just because there's two episodes left, and I really don't think it's. I, I mean, uh, there's obviously a a main storyline that they have that doesn't really involve this guy. This guy is just sort of character development for Ray. So I don't see them with two episodes left with as many questions as they have left to answer, I don't see them exploring this any further, really, outside of maybe Ray actually taking his wiener off with a cheese grater. <laughs> I don't know. Um.
1: So, okay, the first thing that, that came to my mind, even before I met this guy, was DNA evidence with, you know, kind of like, finger quotations around right. it right when i first heard about it and it seemed kind of like um convenient mm-hmm. which hey for this season convenience is a key word here <laughs> right that <laughs> seems to be a main theme but it seemed convenient that all of a sudden it's like oh yeah oh by the way yeah we caught your rapist you know when it's widely suspected that he killed the rapist, Mm. right? Like people kind of know that Mm. that's, that's a well-known secret within the department. Right. Um, and he's shouting it in, in mall parking lots too, earlier in the, uh, in this season too. So I feel like people know this. If you wanted to at all manipulate him, that's one way to do it. Right. That potentially is one way to do it. Yeah. So so that's, that's the first thing that I thought about. And then when I realized we were going to get to see this guy, I was looking at him like Frank was, where I was like, okay, red hair. What's he going to be like? All of a sudden you meet him, and this guy has memory issues.
0: Convenient. See, but see that's exactly how I took it, as convenient. Like I took that as like, this is, the, this is the defense that my attorneys are putting on me so I don't go to jail. I saw it as like a paper thin excuse of like, yeah, I didn't do these things because I've got memory issues because I'm crazy. Right. right? Well, that's basically what it is.
1: Yeah. I I kind of took it to, and again, I am 60% in on this theory, Uh maybe 55%. Uh I'm not all in, (laughs) but I felt like he fit the description in terms of what they had him saying to of a guy that would be perfect to frame. Mm -hmm. for this Mm -hmm. if a guy really does have memory issues um then throw him in there who has a criminal past whatever i i ended up saying um you know also the fact that he doesn't have red
0: hair right that now that's the strangest thing about all of it because it kind of feels like what's the point of adding another layer of mystery or questioning right of, on yeah. top of this?
1: Yeah. On, on a mystery that is kind of tangential. You think right, like exactly whether or not he's the parent I've never really cared. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's so that's not the weirdest thing about this scene though. I think maybe the weirdest scene is something you wrote about, Usage of the phone to communicate. Oh, right. Yeah.
0: So, which is just like a dramatic one of those things that'll be like, yeah, look at this. Uh, It just doesn't make any sense. Like, they walk into the waiting area or whatever, and they pick up the phones to talk to each other because you can't talk to each other without the phones because you're like, got this like two inch thick pane of glass in between you. And then the scene ends with Ray walking out. And as he's halfway out the door, he, like, whispers something to the guy. It's like, there's no way that guy can hear you. You know that, right, Ray? Like, you know he has no idea what you're saying right now. Because you were literally just talking to him through a phone, right? It just was like.
1: Well, the the other thing that made me wonder is, like, so obviously he paid that guard off to give him that time, right? So maybe that that's the explanation, but it did make me think like, does Ray not know that they they do record those, <laughs> con, you know, conversations yeah. right? And and in this conversation, like on this phone, which <laughs> I think is widely like known to be, um, wired, bugged, right? He's like basically like I killed you, like you know, he's <laughs> right. he's admitting a murder, he's he's threatening another right. murder, yeah, you know, and it's like. Yeah, if you paid off a guy to get in there, then maybe they're not recording or mm-hmm. no one's going to be listening to it. But it did make me think like, Ray, do you want to be toning well, maybe, down your confession? Maybe Ray's
0: thinking like it falls under the double, double jeopardy clause, right? He's <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like, I already killed you once, so I can say whatever I want now <laughs> and right. get away with it scot-free because everyone already thinks I did it once. You, you can't
1: get tried for killing the <laughs> same man twice. Everyone knows that.
0: Um, so from there we follow up with, you get a back and forth. So Frank goes to Stan's widow's house where they're giving her money and offering their condolences, I guess. And that is sort of, uh, contrasted with Ray and his, uh, observed visits with Chad (laughs)
1: The, now, now this is
0: objectively a
1: great scene. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I I think this is objectively like kind of the height of Pizzolatto's writing <laughs> right. abilities.
0: Yeah, and the the stuff with Chad is like I guess it depends on how you look at it because like it's supposed to be awkward, right? And it is awkward. <laughs> like the kid loves friends, the, <laughs> right? It is the definition of awkward. But for me, that doesn't make it like a good or fun thing to watch, I guess. It just makes it an awkward thing to watch. It's
1: a, it's not it's an awkward thing until you get an exchange that ends the scene pretty
0: much. Right.
1: That is just gold, right? Where you have I think you I think you wrote it down right? Yeah,
0: so Frank, so uh Ray says things if they change, they might they might tell you things about you and about me and things they say. Whatever they whatever they say, whatever stories you hear, I'm your father, you are my son, and I will always love you. <laughs> and then his son just goes, Okay, and takes a huge bite of pizza. It's so And it's great. I mean that's exactly great. what a kid would do. Okay.
1: Okay. But it's not even like K. It's like it's just like okay. Like yeah. he's the it's the best wimpiest response right. to your dad. Who's finally breaking through all of his pain <laughs> to just get this thing out to you. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm watching friends.
0: Yeah. Hey. Um, And then that is the contrast comes in where you're then it, that's then cutting back and forth between Frank and, and Frank is is now becoming sort of the father figure for this nameless kid who is Stan's son.
1: Who might as well be nameless too? Stan.
0: Right, yeah. And uh his he's got another line where he says, and and there were um two great things I took there were two really good things I took away from um this week's uh post episode discussion on Reddit. The first one was somebody said, whoever casts that kid as the awkward kid deserves an Emmy for casting. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the second one was this line from Frank where he says, inside of you is pure gold, pure solid gold. And then everyone was following that up with all of his quotes from, like, swingers. <laughs> He's just like, your money, kid. Your money. Your money. Don't let him tell you anything else. Your money. Stuff like that. <laughs> but it, it's not... It's delivered in such a way. I don't know. It's just as like, I guess the people on Reddit really love Vince Vaughn's delivery and they've really gotten on the bus, right? To me, everything he does is terrible. Is it a bus? Whatever it is. is yes. It, it's, is a, it's, it. A, it's a bus that has a maximum capacity of like 30, I want to say. Everyone else not on the bus realizes this is not a good Acting portrayal, but everyone on the bus, bus is like, "Hey, this guy's great." This is, hey, this he's supposed to be awkward because he's a he's a awkward gangster, right? His acting is just, it's bad. I well, well, I I do
1: kind of tend to fall on the the, the side that would say this episode was better. See, well.
0: I've been just so bored by all the past episodes. And in the past, what episode is this, six? I would say whichever one begins with that big shootout, mm-hmm. is that episode four, so the past three episodes, have all been the same. They are 40 minutes of really boring nothingness happening. Five and then- minutes of an orgy. Yeah. Right. And then 20 minutes of oh now something is happening. Right. And you get the same formula every time. And it just is like we were halfway through the episode and I started clicking the info button to see where we were at, because like I thought it was almost over because I'm like this just feels like it's been dragging on for so long. And I was convinced that it was going to cut off before you actually got to the orgy thing which it didn't, thank God. Thank God. God. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess, at this point, at this point for me, the show is bad. It, it, it At this point, it cannot have a good episode. It just can't. See? Because it's been preceded by six bad episodes. See, that's where our reviews are coming from. And... Sure, but it's like, but the acting—it's not. Ju- I mean, the acting is obviously purposeful. It's not just like, like this is this is what they're this is what Pizzolatto is going for. This is how he wants his characters be to behave. And to me, they're acting poorly. It's bad acting, but that's what he wants. That's not going to change. Vince Vaughn is not going to suddenly have a renaissance in episodes seven and eight. He's acting exactly how they want him to act.
1: Yeah, you
0: know what I mean. To yeah. me, that's never going to be good. That's what I mean by like, like they just can't have a good episode because <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> the characters are off. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, all of that you could
1: get. It's, you know, it's like having a having a faulty foundation, trying to build a good structure on top right. of it. But you could get the Leaning Tower of Pisa if you're open. I think that's what. That's what you need to be open to. No, it may be slanted. It may look like it's going down.
0: I it mean, may well, actually look. Support. With all that being said, after episode three, I was on board. I rewatched everything. I reevaluated, and I was like, okay, I can look past some of these things. Turns out, I can't. Yeah, I, I can do that after three episodes. <laughs> after six, I just can't do it anymore. Um, thanks for the try. <laughs> we then get um. What has been widely regarded as a silly uh drug scene. I think everybody Colin yeah. Farrell just goes completely off the rails. He throws in a burnt C D that has a New York Dolls song on it, which struck me as the most disingenuous thing of the whole scene because there's no way Colin Farrell's character would be listening to the New York Dolls.
1: That's his that's his drug burn
0: <laughs> right. C D some Some dealer gave it to him as as part of like a deal. So after thinking about it a little bit and and putting together all these, like he's been wearing a bolo the entire season. Whenever he talks to women, he calls them darling and ma'am. He's supposed to be like kind of country, right? So I feel like he would be, that would be a Blake Shelton CD (laughs) to me, right? He's like... He's like a country singer, but I think he's supposed to be like an edgy country singer. He's like the bad boy of country, kind of. That's what I think Ray Valcoro would be drug binging to. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think he would be shadow Blake boxing to.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. He just some air guitar, some yeah. shadow boxing, and then some crying. Yeah. And that's good music to cry to. Sure, exactly. Get some Blake see? Shelton
0: going. Exactly. Um. Did that? What? What was? What was that? To what was that? What was the? What was his sort of relapse to you? Was that? Did you ever consider him like ever fully recovered? Did you see yeah, that coming?
1: No. That that to me is the other thing. So some people say that it was silly. Because it was. It was silly how how far he yeah. went with his bender. And it really did feel like a guy who never went on a bender before. Like, right. by this point in his life, Ray better know how to go on a better bender than <laughs> that, right? Like, you don't air guitar and shadow box during your
0: during your, your and then destroy all your model planes. <laughs> destroy your model planes. You know he he has to have a
1: better bending method worked out. Right. So I was very disappointed with um with that aspect of This life. is
0: what I want to know after watching that. Is is it impossible to overdose on cocaine? <laughs> Right? He does. Cocaine can kill you, right? Well, well, and that, that's the other thing. Like his lines
1: are not <laughs> at all like reasonable. Yeah. Like there's not a chance that you could even get that much coke on one snort up. <laughs> and Ray is going like he's just like whatever. There's an inch. That's an inch thick. Here yeah. I go. Uh, he's getting in his gums too. Right. I mean, he's go- he's going for it. So no, the the issue that I had with it beyond that. Was what did this reveal about the character that we didn't already know? Right. I mean, he has a relapse. Yeah, because he poured his heart out to his son, who said, "Okay." <laughs> like, of course he's gonna. Re- I don't need to then see that, right. or you know, in the way that it was shot, really didn't reveal anything. It just mm-hmm. made me think like Ray needs a better Bender game. Mm-hmm. You know, he needs to step that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was silly on that front.
0: He also seems to get over it pretty quickly when he calls his wife, right? He seems pretty sober when he calls his wife.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, with cocaine, it comes out through the tears. So (laughs) I (laughs) think that's scientifically proven. All right. If you
0: cry, it really brings that cocaine high down really, really fast. Uh, so like I said, that all of that sequence is intercut with this Stan condolences, and it's like Stan is this character who's played a huge, kind of a huge role in the show without really being in the show at all. Like, does anybody know who Stan is? I know who he is. But I, it's like...
1: I want to pause for a moment just to just to take in our cultural moment and call it the who the hell is Stan moment <laughs> of 2015. Right. Because P- Pajiba had a piece where basically that writer deserves a, pu- a Pulitzer for getting ahead of the game uh-huh. and realizing everyone's going to be like, who's Stan? And <laughs> what I love too is I kind of fell into the te- into the group of, I actually had to watch it alone last night, mm-hmm. but had my wife been there, I would have probably fallen into the camp who's like, she'd probably be like, who's Stan? I'd be like, oh, he's the guy who, like I would have tried to be right. like, Oh, Stan. Oh, yeah, I know I know, Stan. Yeah. And then when you read the Pajiba piece, you realize, I don't know who Stan No one knows who Stan yeah. is. You know? So I love... And then when you actually read the Pajiba piece that talks about Stan, which is link to it in the show notes, it's hilarious, too, because it's like Stan didn't represent hardly any of the char- characteristics <laughs> Frank is talking about, unless... Oh, yeah. You just really love, like, the gangsta, like, right. like he lived the gangster golden rules, right. you know? Because he basically, like, helped assault that guy on the street that Franklin <laughs> went in. Right. And, and, you know, but Franklin's, so he's like, you yeah, know, your dad was such a great man. It was like, <laughs> yeah, by whose standards? Right. But, and then also the fact that his name is Stan. Right. <laughs> I'm like, it has to be a joke at some level that, right. like. Pizzol- Pizzolatto knows, like, oh man, I'm gonna kill Stan, and no one, no <laughs> one's gonna know who the freak Stan is, and Stan is the best name to come up for somebody like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good
0: old Stan. Right. Um. So then we get to the, uh, the big, the culmination, everything we've been waiting for for the past two episodes. The orgy, right? Mm. And the orgy in the mansion. Um, or as I like to think of it, the next Wes, Welker, Wes Walker video shoot. Right. <laughs> the more moody. This is when he grows up <laughs> right. a little bit. Um, so a couple of things I took away from this. Annie uses her sister's name, Athena, to get into the party. Now, is part of that just because Athena is a known quantity at these parties. Like why else would she not just use her name? Yeah. that, that That's a
1: good, a good point because she doesn't even try and disguise herself. It's right. not like, Hey, I think that's a
0: cop. No, it's Athena. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that she uses her sister's name and then goes on to potentially kill two of the people. there, <laughs> I imagine that's not going to bode too well for her sister. Probably not. Right? Um, or or
1: it it will bode well for everybody because remember, Ray beat a dad up.
0: Yeah, exactly. That that's the thing. It's either going to mean very bad things for the sister, or it's going to have literally never come up again in the series. Right. In the last two episodes. Uh all of the important people that they've been talking about throughout the entire season are at the party. The uh mayor's son is there. Chief of police is there um the gov- the hopeful governor is there galed off L- literally aka everybody I th-
1: everybody's there. i one direction was in the background <laughs> President obama <laughs> right. was walking through a scene yeah
0: i mean' so literally everybody yeah everybody's there um We learned we got some of the insight into Annie's past, which is that she was molested by some guy at her dad's commune, Um, which a lot of people on Reddit are speculating that he's one of the guys that was in the old photo that also contained the mayor, maybe? I don't know who else is in the... There's an old photo early in their series. Where like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. He's there in the old photo with the uh, pit lore, right? With the oh, psychiatrist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Uh, so a lot of people think that that old hippie guy, Charles Manson, basically, is in that, is in that photo with him. Um, but the one thing about the scene is that... It has a really bizarre like classic Hollywood score. the score that as mean, soon as it starts, yeah. it never stops yes, it goes all the way till the end of the episode, yeah, so for me, it worked fine when you're in the mansion when you're when you've got Annie's perspective basically because she's drugged up, she's supposed to be out of her mind the visual effects start coming into play. And so you're getting this sort of very, what ends up being kind of creepy classic score, which I'm fine with. But what really threw me off is that that score continues to play when you go outside of the mansion and Ray is like beating a guy to death. Yes. (laughs) Just like, wait, wait a minute. If this score is supposed to be representative of Annie's experience being drugged up and being in the middle of this surreal orgy, why is it then playing on top of these other characters? Why does it then continue to play as they're speeding away, driving towards a moon that's probably 10 times too big, (laughs) right? For effect.
1: Well, no, that, that honestly is when the score really stood out to me too. And it sounded just way too busy and everything like at the end, um, but yeah, that that did not fit well for me. I don't know if it stood out to i'm I'm glad that it stood out to you too because I remember thinking like This is so this is weird. Yeah. What, what weird music to be playing? Yeah. But um, I don't know. I I didn't see a lot of people having a negative reaction to the music. Well,
0: look, that's the thing about, and we'll talk a little bit about this at the end of the podcast. Because we've got some more reviews that brings us up a little bit. But the the people... Uh, with the first season, I spent hours on Reddit reading about it. With the second the second season, I, for the most part, stay away from Reddit. I check the post-episode discussion after the episode is over just to see what people are saying. But the people on Reddit are so head over heels about this season that I just can't relate to it. And it's, it's just like... It, like you said, the the people on Reddit, you know, there's a post. Can we just take a moment to recognize how great the score was on that ending scene? It's just like, like I, I, I don't get it. Like, why is it great? Like I said, for me, it, it would have made sense if it was limited to Annie's perspective. But it's not. It's, it plays over um, Paul and Ray when they're sneaking around on the outside of the house. It plays, it continues to play after Annie has thrown up her drugs and miraculously sobered herself up just by throwing up drugs. It continues to play as Ray is beating a guy to death, probably outside of the mansion. It continues to play as they're being shot at and driving down a hill and doing a fast and furious drift onto the main highway. And take, you know what I mean? It just is like it doesn't make any sense at that point to me. Yeah. It's so just out of place. Yeah. Um. The last thing I wanted to mention about the orgy scene was the Russian guy that Annie stabs to death. And what I thought was a neat sequence, yeah. right? It's what you've been waiting for Annie right. to do.
1: Especially during her workout
0: scene with their sister. Yeah, which we'll talk about next. And the only thing he says is he looks at Annie and he goes, "Fukudu." This <laughs> is like, what? Is this guy like mumbling? Like, is that supposed to be a Russian accent? <laughs> it's just so stupid sounding. Okay. Um,
1: well, so for me, I just want to touch on some things. Sure. Because I don't know where you... Co- well, I know where you come down because you said there's no chance this we have a good episode from here on out. Right. I would say that this is actually, you know, the best episode in a, in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I wanted to say, I thought as, as much as we knew Annie's backstory, Mm -hmm. um, it was handled well enough. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I did like that being intercut with the, with the orgy and I did like her stabbing. Yeah. You know, the people, I thought that was fun. Again, there's too much coincidence in this season, right. which again continues when yeah. she finds. And again, the missing the, girl, Yeah,
0: the missing girl. She just stumbles. Yeah. She stumbles. I, I was thinking the same thing again, this is this whole thing is pushed forward by coincidence,
1: right? Right, and and there's further coincidence in the documents that um, Paul and Ray stumble upon, mm-hmm. and the way that they get them and everything, and overhear that conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: made me feel too. Well, I guess, I guess we'll get to the documents, but it made me feel like. Did they do business first and then orgy? Is it like, <laughs> all right, everyone, let's sign these papers, and then like once they he, like returns back to his office and he's right. got all the documents are signed, it's like, let's orgy <laughs> you now. You know, like this is, we're good to go. Um, but do you think will there be any repercussions for Annie killing those people? she has referenced it afterwards, which gave me a little bit of hope Yeah, that her actions in there will propel the story forward and not just be another loose, violent end of like, oh.
0: I would say legally no within like police investigating it or it infect, it affecting her job. You know what I mean? I would say no. In terms of the, she's
1: already been suspended and hasn't right. affected her job. Yeah.
0: In terms of, the evil people pursuing her because of it. I would say that it has, there has to be right. It has to be like it just because, because of what I said earlier, he, she uses her sister's name. Like, it just seems like it it has to be pursued further. With with that being said, that in season 1 there were plenty of things that i thought oh they're going to explain this and they didn't explain it
1: with all the people there though i mean that was like that was yeah. literally every single higher up
0: <laughs> ever, in, ever in in, in america <laughs> in
1: Amer- was at this orgy yeah. it was just like this is what we do yeah right. we go to this orgy and uh it just makes you think like yeah that's the wrong place to probably publicly kill people
0: yeah well but also the guy that she definitely killed was just like some bodyguard. Yeah, a goon. But the guy she... The oil baron or whatever, I don't know what she did to that guy. Like, did she... She stabbed him in the stomach, right? Yeah, with her shoe. Yeah, I don't know. So he could be dead. Who knows? Uh,
1: he has a lot of fat there.
0: <laughs> she had to really get through that. So maybe... Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about some stray observations. Some things we had left over to talk about. The knife fight... The knife... Not the knife fight... The knife workout that she would like. Who works out with knives? Like, it's not a workout, though. You're not working out. You're just like, I don't stabbing know. Stabbing wood. Stabbing a wood dummy that you have set up in your apartment for some reason. Who's not moving. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut it's like staff. All right, there.
0: Um, I've, I'm starting to get a real sling blade vibe from, the, from Frank's henchman who had the uh, great white anaconda line. Just every time you see him, he just is like his eyes are drooping and his like mouth is half open. And I just always imagine him to just be like, oh. you know
1: what I mean? Well, <laughs> right, yeah, he did make a comparison between somebody being a great right. half great white, half
0: anaconda. <laughs> um, so the sort of new wrinkle that I think was introduced in this episode with the missing girl that the Mexican cartel killed who's not the actual missing girl, right? Because that girl was the girl at the party. I'm getting that right. I think so. Say it again. (laughs) So the girl that Frank is talking to on the phone. Yes. Who the cartel then different girl? It's a different girl. Yes. But she's pretending to be the girl that they think is missing.
1: Right? I didn't get that. That was my takeaway. My takeaway is
0: that... Because Frank and the cops are looking for the same missing girl, right?
1: Again, I, yes. Okay. But I mean, okay. But yeah. It's no, like, sure.
0: I, that speaks to <laughs> one of the problems with the show. I have right. no idea what's going on. Right. So my take on it is that Frank and the cops are looking for the same missing girl. The Mexican cartel says, oh, yeah, we've got that girl just so they can get their drugs into the club. Cut her throat the real missing girl, well, I guess that doesn't make any sense then, right? Because anyways, my whole point is that the girl that Frank's talk Frank talks to says, there's a skinny white guy who's working for the cops. That guy is supposed to be Blake, right? Maybe. I mean, that was my takeaway because yeah. Blake is the guy that's under suspicion. He's in Frank's organization. He's a skinny white guy. But that also means that he's... Is he a dirty cop that's putting on these sex parties?
1: Or is he an undercover cop? Well, or he could, or he could not be a cop, right? He could be Pretending to be a cop. Sure. So yeah, it all be a farce.
0: Could all be a fart. Uh, (laughs) Something else I thought was hilarious when they're driving away. (laughs) Paul, first of all, I really liked that when Paul is breaking into a mansion and taking documents out of a table sneakily, he takes the time to s- tap them on the desk and straighten them all out He's before out. he gets out of the room. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I also thought it was really funny that as they're driving away, he opens up the papers and he just goes, these contracts, there's signatures all over them. <laughs> it's like he either has no idea how a contract works and that people sign them. Or the people signing them have no idea how contracts work and they're just signing them every, literally all over the page. There's just there's signatures everywhere. Well
1: look, these all those signatures came here for an orgy. So you know they, they just they wanna, don't care. They just want to get their
0: name on that paper and they just want to get on with the night. Yeah. Okay. This is my final point. And it speaks a little bit to the idea that I don't think a good episode can happen. For me, this would be a somewhat of a redeeming factor. If the hard drive they're looking for ties into the first season in that it's the same five uber-powerful people who have this terrible um, child molestation fetish, right? And that's what's on the hard drive. That's what they want to keep out of everyone's hands. And it's linking... The first two seasons, even just through that hard drive, even just saying like these are the same sort of nebulous characters that we were talking about in the first season, that to me would be interesting and that would make the season worth it. If it's not and it's just a a repeat from the first season, then it speaks to some of the plagiarism stuff that we'll talk about later. How do you feel about that?
1: Um, yeah, again, if he ties this in with season one, great. Mm-hmm. That's, that would be honestly a really smart move. Yeah. Is he the writer to do that? Who knows? I don't know, but everything set up, it would be hilarious if he didn't do it at this point. That there are so many similarities with the home video, the hard drive, the running girls, the potential underage girls—you mm-hmm. know—they're constantly being referenced throughout. Um, to then be like, "No, eh, it's just standalone." Yeah. <laughs> like, did you did you watch? Did you remember anything about season one? Did you write season one, Nick Cuselato? <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, and it's like if if it's if it's not tying into the i mean there's just so many problems with it because all that stuff is the same you've got the same basically the same bad guys super powerful bad guys with the terrible sexual fetish that they're recording and keeping that they don't want anybody to have and then just on the like episode by episode basis you've got in this episode just like in the first season um you've got a scene where a cop is forced to take drugs to prove their authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you're just repeating the same, like you did this last season. You literally did this exact same thing last season. So it's like, are you out of ideas? Or are you trying to make a point here? Or Mm -hmm. or are you like drawing parallels? Uh, The one leftover thought a straight
1: observation I had was the scene where Paul is playing with Annie's knife and they're planning their little break in mm-hmm. on the orgy scene. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. And he's just kind of like casually flipping it. Mm-hmm. And the look she gave him made me think of like somebody picking up somebody's newborn and just spinning the <laughs> newborn on their finger. And absently just like a basketball, Uh just keeping it spinning. And then looking up at the mother and being like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Let me put that baby back down there. Right? Yeah.
0: She takes her knives very seriously. She
1: takes them very seriously, which made me think two things. I wanted to get your take on this. Number one, is that a joke? Or is it just like... No. Number two, is it a thematic link between... Um, Paul and Annie, where she is looking at him as this, like she, she references how good looking he is before. He's just like Mm -hmm. pretty face, whatever brooding when reality he's, he is a victim of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. when he was a child, potentially when you look at the way his mom is treating Mm -hmm. him and Mm -hmm. wanting him to stay with her. Sure. Um, He's gay. Which she doesn't know. And so I was like, are they kind of saying that he is actually more? It's almost like she is masculine while being feminine. And he is masculine while being gay. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, you know, is Pizzolatto just trying to draw a little subtle theme? No. And if it's not any of those two, then what is it? Why? Oh, yeah, I have no idea.
0: But I don't know if anything Pizzolatto has done this season could be classified as subtle.
1: Or a joke? Exactly. The K line. No. And then take it by of pizza.
0: Um, okay, so one thing I want to run by real quickly before we move on. Uh, and I did not realize what this um, person's username on Reddit was before I just now looked at it. But user Anal Attack Probe on Reddit <laughs> compiled a list of unanswered questions from this season so far. So I'm going to run them by you and see if we can answer any real quick. Okay. Who killed Casper? No. Blake? Maybe. Who is the Birdman? Like, okay, who committed the jewelry robbery? What happened to the two orphan children? A lot of speculation is saying that the orphan children are the Chesani kids. Um, who committed the robbery? No idea.
1: The uh, the the let's go with um, is he the mayor right now? Mm-hmm. The guy who drinks and. Mm-hmm.
0: Mayor. Okay. Why was the mayor's first wife committed to a mental institution? What were the um, unorthodox practices of the Chesanis that she was uncomfortable with? Is it just this orgy? Like, is that enough to commit somebody to a mental institute? Um, no, I'm going
1: to say, this is where I'm going to say, Pizzolatto's smart. He links it to the first season, and they're part of the, uh, the cabal. Of pedophiles.
0: Where is Frank's money? Which money? The money he's trying to get back? The money or? that he gave to Casper. What did Casper it's, do with Frank's money?
1: Oh. Uh, yeah. Spending it on women and Can drugs? Can we trust
0: uh, D'Angelo Barksdale's mom? <laughs> <laughs> That's the wording? No. The wording is, <laughs> can we trust the state's special agent? Parentheses, D'Angelo Barksdale's mom. <laughs> well, go, going
1: off of my my previous kind of theory, I'm going to go with no, because she's the one that tells Ray right. that they okay. captured this guy. She's part of this whole setup because she's after Ray, too, if you remember earlier, right? Yeah. She right. She's trying to manipulate Ray. Who is Chad's father?
0: Uh, haven't met him yet. A mall Santa. Who did Ray really kill? Is it just going to say, is it going to stay at just some random tweaker or is it going to be somebody who was important?
1: Ray is going to, Ray actually killed the guy who committed the jewelry heist for the more powerful people. Who was tied to the cabin chair and mutilated?
0: The viewers. (laughs) <laughs> All of us. <laughs> um, I'm gonna skip some of these. Who was Dixon working for? The cop that was spying on Paul and then got shot in the head? Oh. Is Who,
1: no 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 one of note. He, yeah. he was a grunt.
0: Is Annie's dad and his cult somehow connected to Casper slash the sex parties?
1: Yes, because I realized I ended up watching the the opening song and opening bit for the first time in forever. Mm-hmm. And he's actually a character shown in profile in the oh, thing, really? which makes me think like, no, he's a bigger character, and it's David Moore. So yeah, yeah the, he's he's way more involved.
0: Okay, what is Blake's role in all of this? Uh, Birdman, killer. What sort of fallout will Annie's knife work have on Athena and others, herself including? Um, they will.
1: They will. Athena will be killed by the end, and she will be in a tough place, fighting for her life. But she will be saved by saved by Ray.
0: By Ray. Yeah, remember that was my theory. And then Ray's gonna die oh, in right, saving her. Right, right, right. Where are the blue diamonds? Where's the hard drive? What did Woodrow do in the desert? Parentheses other than dudes. <laughs> what is the status of the high speed rail development? don't care um when all ooh when all the chips are down maybe when all the chips are in the middle of the table when when pushed to a breaking point will Ray side with Frank or Annie and Paul? This is all about his redemption story.
1: He's gonna side with. Annie.
0: will paul come out of the closet
1: God, i hope so yeah and we need just a hardcore scene with him
0: <laughs> by the end of the season <laughs> who is annie's rapist slash molester uh we saw him he's just a right. random dude what's the deal with the set photographer what about the director
1: the, from just, like the third episode yeah just Thumbing your nose. Reddit made a
0: big deal about those guys. They're nobodies.
1: Yeah, thumbing your nose at Carrie Fukunaga.
0: If all the prostitutes get... (sighs) Uh, I don't know what that means. Who was the masked figure that Annie and Ray chased while investigating the stolen vehicle? Uh, Blake. Blake is apparently everybody.
1: No, 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 no. Wait, wait. We actually saw his face, right? That Uh -uh. was... No? Mm -mm.
0: You just see that weird Katamari Damachi mask. And last but not least, who killed Stan? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Stan's son. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest twist. Yeah. Okay, before we talk about reviews, quickly, something I stumbled upon after listening to the True Detective Weekly podcast. A listener wrote into that podcast and said, I was wondering something along the lines of, I was wondering if you guys had ever read The Big Nowhere because I had noticed some comparisons uh, between The Big Nowhere and this season of True Detective. And then he listed a couple of them. I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. Especially considering there is, I guess, depending on who you ask, a minor plagiarism incident with the first season mm-hmm. where Pizzolatto was accused of basically paraphrasing, if not outright copying, some of the best lines from the first season from different authors. Also, the themes of the Yellow King and all that stuff. Um, so I s- looked into it a little bit. And I think, first of all, I'll mention that the Wall Street Journal blog did an interview with Pizzolatto or some sort of email exchange, or somebody did. And I'll link to that actual article in the show notes. But the gist of it is he is quoted as saying in this email exchange, quote, there are no references or or homages at all in True Detective Season 2. And part of that comes after... Somebody um, is asking him about Annie Bezerides' name, which is the same as a um, somewhat famous noir author who also has the last name of Bezerides. And he says something along the lines of, no, I don't know who that is. I just (laughs) saw the name in the phone book and thought it was good. Something like that. And then he goes on to say there's no homages.
1: In the noir author's phone book that he has.
0: Which is also weird because every episode so far has seemed to have some sort of visual homage to directors, whether it's the country singer, the David Lynch connection. And this one, I saw a lot of people making the connection between you have that um, rising tension with the Frank and Ray confrontation right in the beginning. And then it does the like it cuts to like them holding their guns and then it immediately cup, cuts to like flash bulbs going off, which is kind of uh, like something Martin Scorsese does, right? Yeah. So there seems to be homages in the episode that maybe visual though visual, yeah. right? So this is something that mm, onions from Reddit posted. I'm just going to read it pretty as as quickly as I can because I feel like it's all important. And it has to do with James L. Roy's The Big Nowhere. He says, shoot, uh, it's part of James, blah, blah, blah. So he goes on to, to point out the parallels between True Detective Season 2 and The Big Nowhere. So you have um, Mal Considine, Considine and Colin Farrell character. In the book, Mal does exactly what Farrell does. His wife is raped by a Nazi sympathizer, and he ends up killing the guy and raising the kid while his wife alienates him. Leads him to booze, rule breaking, etc. So that is Colin Farrell's character, right? Which is, or I should say, that's uh Mal from The Big Nowhere, and Colin Farrell seems to be a pretty much direct ripoff from that. Right. But at the same time, I, I don't think that's necessarily like. An incredibly original character, like I feel like you could probably come along the same character, right yeah um so then you have the cross jurisdiction case, so in the big nowhere you have uh l a count you have three districts basically coming together to solve one case, which is this what the same thing they do in this you've got the state police. You've got the Highway Patrol. So Annie is State Police. Paul is Highway Patrol. Colin Fair or uh, Ray is Vinci Police, right? So you've got the three districts coming together. You've got a character in The Big Nowhere who struggles with homophobia and homosexuality. Um, and Mal, the character that Colin Farrell's character most closely represents, is also a war hero who refuses to talk about his time in the war. Uh, apparently in the big nowhere, there is a Wolverine killer, which is supposed to be mirrored by the bird head killer. Um, and then there's a character in the big nowhere who also works for the mob as an occasional sort of police, uh, enforcer mm-hmm. and who has a change of heart and wants to change his way. Like Colin, again, like Colin Farrell's character. There is also a big plastic surgery uh, storyline plays a part in it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, He goes on to say the first victim in the big nowhere also had his eyes removed and genitals mutilated. Uh, Then he goes on to add, I was thinking some more there are too many to list, but another one someone mentioned below the new age combo therapy slash slash plastic surgery. Terry Lux in the Big Nowhere slash LA Confidential is basically this freaky diggy psychiatrist slash surgeon to the stars who everyone goes to to dry out from heroin, alcohol, etc., and is basically implied to know all this stuff about people. Hopefully the show goes in some different dragons, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and apparently there is also a character in the Big Nowhere who has unexplained burn scars all over their body. So it's like... What that remind me of is I want to say Stephen Glass? Was it Stephen Glass who got accused of plagiarizing and then just continued to plagiarize like even more because of it? Right. It seems like I mean those connections are insane. And it seems like I don't want to be dramatic, but it seems like something might be wrong. Be yeah. Right. Like there's no. I, and what is strange to me is that it hasn't come up like it did in the first season. And you've sort of justified that as saying it's just because people it's just because the season is bad. And so people kind of don't care. It just seems weird to me. That's not coming up. Right. Like, yeah. obviously, something is there.
1: Yeah. But I just don't think people care enough.
0: Maybe. I mean, I don't care either, really. I just find it weird. Yeah. I mean, maybe if the season was good, I would care more. Right? Mm-hmm. But even then, it just as like... Mm. I mean, it's but it's bizarre. It's just as like... I, if this is... I mean, it has to be something, right? And so you're looking at somebody who's like... Either doesn't understand that people are going to like cross-reference this stuff... And I mean, like, in the first season, the stuff he was referencing was pretty obscure. Even though within the first couple of episodes, everyone had already made all the connections, right? This stuff is like, James Elroy is a very highly regarded noir novelist. A lot of people have read all of his books. Like, there's no way you're going to get away with just copying this stuff.
1: Right. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, you know... lying is definitely a problem that perpetuates itself. Like there are so many stories of people who get caught lying and they just run deeper into lying. Right. Like the Shiloh thing. Yeah. Right. It's, it's compulsive. So yeah, you wonder if it's a compulsive behavior, but yeah, it's like, do you think it'd be better if he just, instead of saying there are no homages, there are no references. If he just came out and said, Hey, I got inspired by uh, <clears throat> James Elmore.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Elmore Leonard? No, James, uh, James Elroy.
1: Elroy. What was I saying? You know why? Because it's late.
0: Yeah, it's late. Okay, so let's finish by talking about our reviews. We got two new reviews, both of them three stars. I'll take it. Yeah, no, they're good reviews. Thank you. So one of them is from Carcosa Janitor, who he more or less. Or she. He or she, yep. I'm sorry, right. They um, liked our commentary, but disagree with how we're reading the show, which is fine. And like I said, with the True Detective subreddit, like it's just those guys, those people love it. For some reason, it works for them. It is not working for me. Right. And I'm trying to express why it doesn't work for me. Well, you're doing a three-star job, Justin. All right. Well, I'll take it. Let's kick you up two more stars. And then the other review we got from John Spence I really liked is another (laughs) three-star review titled Smart Guys, Bad Attitudes. And I'm just going to read the review. These guys are sharp with good banter, rhythm, etc. However, they seem to have pre damned the show. Some criticisms I agreed with, but I think they hated the first episode so much they missed the quality. The baby is getting bigger and better every week, but alas, it is already thrown out with the bathwater. Give it a try if you hate the show. Mm. And I think. It's easy to sort of let your hate for a show snowball. It is for me, and that's why I tried to reassess, step back, and reassess. I was listening to that podcast that where they um, seemed to like it, and they I was agreeing with a lot they were saying. I just didn't like the show for I so I tried to reassess. I watched the three first three episodes again. I found somewhat of a new appreciation, but from there, it just is like, I don't know. It just is not working for me. Mm-hmm. It just, I can't get past the acting. I can't get past all of the little stupid stuff. Yeah. It just, to me, it adds up and it becomes too stupid.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, you gotta be yourself. The, sure. the, the one thing that I'll say, and again, Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for, Absolutely, yeah. for listening. Anything. The one thing that I will say is it kind of strikes me that they are kind of doing the same thing that they're, they're, they're accusing us of doing, mm-hmm. which is that you're engaging in something that you maybe don't agree with, but then you're calling it out for your experience of it, you mm-hmm. know, more than with the actual content. It's mm-hmm. so like, you know, they don't really address our show so much. As they do, you know, we don't like the show, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, yeah, we we don't like the show, but that's not a, you know, it's not a real um, assessment of what we do. Right. It's more of just like. I don't like what they're doing. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. But I feel like, you know, we're 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 all doing the same thing to each other. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a lesson of life. It's just one big um, mansion orgy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a human centipede, some might say. <laughs>
0: All right. And with that... Um, what better image to end on? Right. There are two episodes left. We will be podcasting about them. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I, Justin Blizzard, am at blizzard with nine z's keith you are at things come right and if you uh want any more information or if you want to find any past shows you can go to our website eipodcast.com where you find our main podcast where if you want to hear us talk about things we actually like you can listen to our other podcast sometimes everything is interesting sometimes um or if you just go to slash true detective, you'll find all of our past episodes there. So we will, uh, well, I'll say thanks for listening. Thank you for leaving a review if you left a review. And we will uh, see you next week.